What's happening for him? Fat guy's falling off a skateboard, so that's what's happening. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome back to another episode of Cop. Matt, how are you doing? You know, it's... Hippin' and hopping. Yeah. Um, see any good movies lately? Yeah. Yeah? What do you see? Yeah, Not I on did. me. So, um, I saw Ballad of Buster Scruggs from the Coens. Oh, yeah? The Netflix movie. How was it? It was pretty good. Pretty good Western anthology... Uh, you know, it's, if you're not a big guy on Westerns, you'll still enjoy this, because it's just, it's still just classic Coen Brothers kind of charm. When did it come out? Uh, I want to say like four years ago. Hmm. Uh, damn good. Uh, it, it's got the visual flair you like. Um, all the stories are kind of depressing, but you know, that's the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't that fun. Because oh. there wasn't a lot of resource or morality mm-hmm. present at the time. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but, you know, c'est la vie. So I thought that, um, <clears throat> I think that might be it. No, Who's you know in it? Who's in Buster Shrugs? Uh, they got a lot of people. Like, they got Liam Neeson's in there. Um, they got... Who's the guy who plays the prospector? Oh, I can't remember. Clint Eastwood. No, I wish. Like, they should have got him, but maybe he's tired of doing those movies. <laughs> maybe, maybe unfor- I'm, I'm going to assume that unfor- after Unforgiven, he's like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's kept me my whole life. Let me, let me scowl at other kinds of people <laughs> and squint my eyes, you know? <laughs> Shout out to Clint Eastwood and his family. Um... I saw The Graduate again. Oh, yeah? That one was, um, at the time when I first saw it, maybe like a few years ago, I didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. All right, and not that I didn't get it, I was like, this is whatever. Yeah. It kind of spoke to me a little more now. Um, it's really dry in its humor. Yeah. Um, which is one of the appeals for me. I think the direction is really good. And I still don't think um, the main character is that likable, but this is one of those things where it's like... He's me for real. He's He is kind of me, so, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, those are the two good movies I saw uh, this week. And you saw Batman v Superman? Yeah, that wasn't that good. It Let's would have been better if Chris Stuckman wrote it, I think. Yes. Yeah. If rain assaulted the ground, and if... I... <sighs> The Chris Stuckman rewrite. I want the Chris Stuckman cut. I know it's out there. I know Warner put money into it. I know the footage is floating around. Give it to us. Like the uh, Nicolas Cage Superman. I want the footage. I want the dailies. Yep. Give them to me. Just wait for a leak. Just wait for a leak, bro. One of these days. You know, leaks are always so funny to me because... You know, there's so many fake leaks where you see a real one and you're like, yeah, right. Yeah, right, that's real. <laughs> yeah, like, no way. But sometimes they are real. And, like, I wonder if it's just a pissed off intern who's like, fuck this company. I'm going to leak all this shit. It, it's like that. Or, like, I, I think, like, for the Sony leak that happened, I think, like, they just got hacked. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, they just, they just used email. So, oh, I got your Gmail password. 
Have you heard of Space World? No. I don't think it's it's still a thing, but it was an old gaming convention, and there was a cut of Pokemon Gold and Silver for Space World. You could go and play it, and Gold and Silver has like so much stuff cut from it. It's pretty incredible, and I think in 2018, 2019, something like that, they had release some somebody leaked the Space World ROM. Uh, which is pretty cool. So, so, like, that was before the game released? Yeah. It was, like, a beta yeah, version? Yeah, yeah. And is it more better besides... I've never played it. I I want to. Um, I want to get... It's called an Easy Flash. Uh, I think it's by EverDrive. Basically, mm. it's just a, a Game, Boy cart- Game Boy Advance cartridge that you can put a micro SD card into, and then you can take the micro SD card... Jesus. Micro SD card out, and... Um, you can put uh, you can just put ROMs into it. So I want to try that out one day because it would be cool to play it on an actual Game Boy. Um, Earthbound Beginnings, before they put it on Wii U, I know some some person just leaked, leaked it online. And then people were playing that for a while. Anyways, um, the only good movie re- I saw recently was Sunset Boulevard, which was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this movie from the 50s. Um, this black and white movie about this writer. He writes uh, screenplays, and he used to be really good back when he needed to be to make ends meet. But now that he um, has it sort of made, he's not writing as well as he used to. And now he's kind of a low life. He owes money to some sharks. Um, these guys come to his place, and they're like, "Hey, where's that car, buddy?" You're not paying up, so we're going to be repossessing that car. <laughs> the car. And he's like, um, a friend took it. He's on a trip. And he's like, oh, yeah, a friend took it? Well, uh, that friend better be back by Monday. <laughs> and he's like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then he actually has a car, so then he goes and he drives, uh, drives down to this, I think maybe to Paramount, something like that. He wants to sell this script. And then... He's talking with this guy, and then the secretary comes in, and she's like, oh, yeah, this guy dropped off the script. I read through it. It's pretty bad. And he's like, oh, yeah, this guy wrote the script right here. And he's like, hey. <laughs> uh, so they don't they don't want the script. But the lady's sort of interested in his work. But anyways, he, he drives back, and then while he's driving home, then he sees the repo guys, and he's like, oh, shit. And then he has, like, a little car chase. And then he finds this weird house on sunset boulevard it looks abandoned so he he's just like i'm just gonna leave my car here he drops off the car but then there's this weird uh butler guy and he's like come in we're waiting for you we've been waiting for you and he's like uh what <laughs> i'm not your guy man and he's like yeah, yeah yeah just get upstairs and then he goes upstairs there's this lady and she has a dead monkey and she's um she thinks that He's the guy that's there to make a custom coffin for her dearly departed monkey. And he's like, uh, it's not me. And she's like, well, get the hell out of here. But he mentions that he's a writer. And then she's like, wait, before you leave, you said you're a writer? He's like, yep. She's like, I want to I wanna show you this story that I'm working on. And it's like a 12 or 6 or 12 part epic that she's writing. And she's going to be the star of it. He's like, man, this stuff sucks. <laughs> He's reading through it. Um, but then she's like, I'm going to have you stay here. I'm going to pay all of your expenses, and you're going to write this story for me. 
And then he finds out that she used to be a star in, like, silent, in the silent era. But then when talkies took off, um, she couldn't swing it. Um, so he writes a story for her. He finally finishes it. And then he takes it to the studio. And they're like, yeah, you know, bring her down. We want to talk to her. And she's so excited to be back in, in Hollywood in the limelight, yada, yada, yada. And then they find out that they just saw her car and they thought her car looked cool and they wanted to ask if they could use it for a movie. And they had no interest in doing her script or having her in the movie. And then chaos ensues and it's just kind of heavy. As so, it's, the, so it's one of those movies about being a washed up loser. Yeah. And having to cope with it. Yeah. Relatable. Literally me? <laughs> well, you know what? Pretty damn close, if anything. And um, then you see the character Gordon Cole, uh, who Lynch names his character after in Twin Peaks, which was kind of cool to see. Oh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Loudmouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gordon Cole is a guy in the movie who's like, yeah, we just want her car. So, I don't know why he really likes that character, but I guess that was just a very poignant part to him. So, he took the name, but it was pretty... Uh, it was a good movie. Uh, I liked it a lot. How many bags? Mm, we don't do that. Oh, I see. I understand. No pre-bag bags. You know, the other day I was driving down from St. Mary's, like, towards here. Yeah. And, like, near George's... Yeah. There's a Sunset Boulevard, which I guess is one of those things where, like, I guess, like, it, it's like a Main Street, maybe. Yeah. Or a Penny Lane. Yes. Where everybody's got one. But I saw that and I was like, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that movie. I'm sure maybe, that... Maybe that was a sign to watch it, and now that you've watched it. You should watch it. I was thinking about you while watching it, because the script in it is... It's such it's, a tasteful screenplay. You'll uh, really like the script. Okay, nice, nice. I'll check it out. For I, sure. I'm sure that Sunset Boulevard in Winnipeg is no Sunset uh, Boulevard, though. Maybe, maybe we'll take a stroll down there, see what nope. happens. In the daylight, maybe. Ah, uh, come on, you know. that's It's most fun at night, you know. That's the peg life, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get pegged in the you, peg. You never know what's going to happen in that dark alley, and that's the fun that we're living here. It's a little thrill. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you there at 1 a.m. Uh, you want to talk about the movie? Um, yeah. Get the guess there's no Boba Fett to talk about anymore. Not until... When is Mandalorian? Probably December. Who knows? Obi-Wan show is going to come out in May or whatever. So Is that happening? I think that's what they said. May. Damn. I guess they probably won't drop a trailer until maybe March. Yeah. And then... Uh, or April. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll talk about the trailer when we see it. Yeah. But I think Hayden Christensen is in it. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll watch that one. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, both of us, like... And Mandalorian, that's cool. But, I mean, if they get Ewan McGregor back, it's gotta be... It's gotta be awesome. Yeah, it's Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, so... We'll see. I, I promise I'll watch at least most of the first episode. Guar- okay. Guaranteed. Okay. That's right. facts. Okay, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> and when that'll happen, who's to say? Lincoln Street? Is that a reference? Well, they there's like the Lincoln Street, the guy's name is Booth. There's Yeah. There's definitely some Vietnam War um 
allegories in this movie. Let's talk about them. All right. Well, you tell me about the movie. Well, what's the synopsis about the movie? Yeah. Set the stage. Basically, this college kid comes home after his dad has a stroke. Yeah. And he finds an ear Mm -hmm. in a field. And and believe it or not, that uh, leads to a big conspiracy type deal. Uh, And he meets a a couple of colorful characters along the way. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe he busts another two. <laughs> and, you know, there's some Lynchian touches here and there in this movie. You know what my first impression of this movie was when I was done? Mm-hmm. I was, um, I wasn't disappointed, mm-hmm. but I was surprised because maybe this is the most conventional maybe more than wild at heart yeah right it's more conventional yeah i was waiting for the i was waiting for the moment where they drop the black box and then it nightmare nightmare and then it's nightmare 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 especially in the in the intro when and that's one of my favorite parts it's really iconic it's when they show like that little portrait of americana and they have the blue velvet song Mm -hmm. And then the dad has a stroke, and then they get into some eraser head type ear design where it's going bzzz yeah, in they, your ear. They drop in, under the grass, and you see bugs crawling over each other, fighting for dirt and or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, I was like, okay, that's gonna, you know, that that kind of like sets the tone for a lot of Lynch stuff. It's yeah. like, hey, look, it's cool, but actually. Yeah, just idealistic America, and then, well, there's actually a gross underbelly to it. But. This movie, it's still pretty. It's still pretty damn good, I think. Yeah, it's just interesting to me that he kind of does this neo noir thing. And mm-hmm. one, and the other thing that was the other big thing that stuck out to me about this was like it's like pre, it's like proto Twin Peaks. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's what so. I thought as well. It like come on, they have this. The place is called Lumberton. Lumberton. Yep, and Kyle MacLachlan's there doing some investigating. Yep. And, uh... This whole thing about the, there's a dark underworld in this peaceful, idealistic city, like in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, they, they go to diners, they're... Drinking soda pops. Yep, doing investigations, and there's this ultimate evil bad guy. Um, there's, it is, it is proto-Twin Peaks, for sure. Who would win between a blood-lusted booth and Bob? <laughs> As, Bob. As, wait. Oh. Bob as Leland. Spoilers. <laughs> For who? <laughs> no one. Um, Bob as Leland? Is it probably still Leland. Bob as Leland? <laughs> but Bob doesn't have that gas to get him hyped. True. The protagonist in this is Dennis Hopper. No, not the protagonist. The antagonist <laughs> in this is Dennis Hopper. That's a good take. Oh, you know, a different interpretation. Um, And he kind of... So, basically, this college student ends up investigating what's going on. He just, like, kind of inexplicably is just like, well, I mean, if you found an ear in a field, you'd be really curious about it, I guess. Yeah, he just says, I like mysteries. He likes mysteries, yeah. Yeah. He's he's a good detective in the making. And he ropes along the detective's daughter Mm -hmm. into this, who he has a sort of... Uh, classic romance with amazing chemistry. I think 
between him and Laura Dern. Yeah. As uh, whatever her name is. Sandy. Yeah, yeah, Sandy. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good, and I guess this is uh, the first of many collaborations with Lynch and Laura Dern. Yep. Do you think that uh, Laura Dern, Kyle MacLachlan, and Lynch have all explored each other's <laughs> bodies? Because I really get the impression that they have. <laughs> it's, it's possible. <laughs> they seem really close, if you know what I mean. I mean, he likes to put them in a lot of stuff. Uh, there's been a few nights where <laughs> they've uh, After drank a, the midnight coffee. I've had a couple of pots of coffee, too yeah. many cigarettes, and uh-oh, you know, mm-hmm. what, what stays uh, <laughs> on the studio lots, you know, stays here. Yeah. They have good chemistry, you're right. And what happens is that he ends up getting, he, the mystery leads to this lounge singer. Mm-hmm. Classic femme fatale. Classic, very classic, and... He, you know, does a little dig-in, does a little B&E, mm-hmm. and he gets involved with her as well. Yeah. Because as the femme fatale, she has to seduce him. Mm-hmm. And then you meet Dennis Hopper, who's arguably the most entertaining character in the film. Um, and basically, he's just this big boss crime guy. Yeah. And he huffs gas, and he's just insane. He's crazy. He has this weird sadomasochist thing going on where it seems like he has two personalities. He has, like, baby and daddy. Yeah. And... Daddy and kitten. It's really (laughs) hard to watch. There's this one scene, which is probably, like, you know, the scene that if normies watch it, they would see and remember it by where Kyle McLaughlin's in the closet and he's watching Frank Booth just, like, beat the shit out of... What's the actress's name? Rosalini? Um, Isabella. Isabella. Rosalini, yeah. some Italian. Um, you know, at the time, which is funny, like, Roger Ebert hated this movie. Mm-hmm. I saw, like, one out of four stars. Did, and he was like, man, he just, like... How he, how he portrays Isabella Rosalini is so degrading. I've never seen such a deplorable performance in all of my life. And it's pretty crazy that this movie was so polarizing at the time because now we have so much, you know, dark media. We have it on TV. We see it all the time. It's like nothing. This isn't that crazy, right? Yeah. Um, so now, in retrospect, we can go back and say, damn, this movie's great. But at the time, because it was so dark, people just thought... It had no artistry to it. It had no thought to it because it, they were just like, it's just dark for dark's sake, which is, I totally disagree with. Um, I think it's saying something here, but um, yeah, anyways, he's in the closet watching them and Dennis Hopper's, like, what's her character's name? The lounge singer's name? I'll find out. It's a shame I can't remember, but she looks at him and then, he like punches me. He's like, "Don't fucking look at me." And Initially, it is like kind of shocking because, like, e- even now this movie is like almost forty years old. But even now, it's hard to think like in major films. I guess like when they have kind of that explicit BDSM content. I guess is the thing. Mm-hmm. I did think it was kind of weird that at the time this was like really transgressive content. Yeah. Because um, I haven't seen it, but I guarantee you the average episode of Euphoria will probably have worse stuff yeah. than this. Yeah. Um, and I guess that is also considered transgressive, shocking content now. But really, you get like two scenes of that at the most. 
And they comprise a small part of the film. Yeah, the, and then, but, I mean, you have nudity, but, sorry, continue. Yeah, you have nudity, but, like, that, that kind of been new in 86. I mean, yeah. any horror movie at, at this time would also have had that. Um, in terms of the portrayal of, of this woman who is um, Dorothy. Dorothy, yeah. Dorothy Valens. Um, she is like I get like she gets knocked around and then they have that scene um, where she just shows up naked and battered and bruised on the yeah. lawn, which I guess would be like you know pretty shocking, pretty humiliating. But yeah, that 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 was not a big factor for me. I didn't see this as like a transgressive film. I yeah. saw this as as like a a kind of Lynchian approach to the neo noir stuff. Yeah. Um, with some, you know, instead of, like, a big detective, you just have this college kid. Mm -hmm. And you have this lounge singer who is a little off her rocker and a lot of other kind of characters like that. I like the film, mm -hmm. okay? The performances are solid. I was a little disarmed by, like, just the way the film has a conventional approach to plotting. Like, it ends happily. Yeah. And that was surprising for me. Caitlin, when we watched it together, she thought it was a dream. Like the whole thing? No, the ending. But oh. I disagree. Because in true Lynchian fashion, um, Kyle MacLachlan and Laura Dern are in the car together. And she goes, can I tell you about this dream I had? Yes! And she tells him about this dream where the world just seemed so hopeless and bleak and dark until the Robins showed up. And they symbolized love. And then at the end of the movie... Uh, it's seeming very happy, and then a robin shows up. Yeah. But I think that m was just foreshadowing, but maybe it was a dream. I don't know. Like, well, that's the kind of thing where I think that's just, like, uh, it's like, oh, it's now my dream is manifest, yeah. and everything yeah. is cool. Because there isn't, like, a, a point, really, where you would go, like, oh, this is a dream. And I guess, like, the thing with all Lynch stuff is, like, it's all kind of dream. Like, that's mm -hmm. his thing. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm, like, I was kind of waiting for that big thing to happen and in that sense i was kind of a victim of my own expectations i really do like the kind of lynchian touches in it mm -hmm. like the just the kind of surrealist stuff ideas and i like that bug scene at the beginning i really like the part where he goes to the apartment mm -hmm. um and he finds dorothy's wife or husband sorry dead yeah and he's got the blue velvet in his mouth and then you have the yellow man yeah and he just a lot he's yeah and like he just you see part of his brain and he just standing there like semi-awake that was kind of cool mm -hmm. because initially so that and that was that was when i thought it was going to get weird and they're going to drop the box but it still worked in the context because it was just it's the kind of thing where you watch that and it's initially disarming mm -hmm. and then the characters kind of just move along and you kind of see and then um it was it was it was cool imagery though to have that kind of zombie guy standing there and then when he took the blue velvet out of his mouth, like, he just had his mouth open, and yeah. he was so pale and gaunt that it was, like, it was kind of spooky. Yeah. Um, but overall, like, I don't know. It, I, I keep wanting to say I wasn't disappointed, but uh, it was just, like, a solid film, okay? Yes. This is, like, for me, a cut above Wild at Heart, where it's, like, a solid narrative mm -hmm. with... The kind of flair you would expect from Miss, from from David, mm -hmm. and I don't know, like it actually didn't leave that much of an impression on me. I think it looks good. Mm -hmm. 
I like the thematic content, but it's the kind of thing where I've, we've treaded that a lot already in Twin Peaks. I guess I should have watched this before Twin Peaks. It would have been a nice prequel. Yeah, it's uh, that's what I thought, too, when I first saw it. It was just very solid. Yeah. It's not pushing a whole lot of boundaries, but it's, it's, it's good. I, I like it. And it does look really nice. They have a lot of shots in the daytime. They have a lot of shots at night. Kind of a blend of that nice and that dark. Yeah. Um, and the shots at in the night are amazing. There's this one shot where you're introduced to Laura Dern's character and it, it switches from Kyle MacLachlan to Laura Dern, but it's just all black mm-hmm. and it's black for a few seconds. And then you see her slowly emerge out of the shadows. And that shot like was straight out of Eraserhead. Yeah. When that, um, the woman across the hall, I yes. guess it is. She does that too. I really like that shot. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really foreboding while you're waiting for her to appear. And then when you see something start to materialize. And then you just see it's Laura Dern, who is just like this kind of angelic looking. She's wearing like a pink shirt. Yeah. She's blonde hair, all American girl. There's stuff like that that's, uh, that's very classic. And there is a lot of good just technical stuff. Because yes, Lynch is a very solid director. Even when he's just doing a more straightforward narrative like mm-hmm. this. One thing for me is that Frank Booth's character kind of gets a little silly at times. Like, he's swearing so much where he's just like, you fucking fucker, I'll fucking kill you, fucker. He's just saying stuff like, it gets a, li- it gets a little goofy for me, and I don't think it's supposed to be. I don't think he's meant to, like, at first when you see him, you kind of sympathize and you kind of see it, um... From Kyle McLaughlin's eyes mm-hmm. uh, when you're in the closet and you see him doing this horrible thing to this woman. But as, like, when he finds him and he catches him and he takes him for this ride along, like, then it's, like, he's, like, a little bit of a joke. Because he just, like, he's, like, comically angry. Yeah. And he doesn't, he's, he doesn't have, like, really any motive besides, fuck! <laughs> I'll fuck anything that moves! Yeah, like, he just comes off, like, in, like, a crackhead. Yeah. Like, he's just someone who's absolutely tweaking. Um, he's like a, he's like a decent antagonist because like, what are you gonna do against this guy? Yeah. He just ends up getting shot in the head at the end of the film. Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, in in that closet scene, uh, but then yeah, that's the kind of thing where I was like, uh, I was waiting for something a little more than that. Then the movie just kind of, it kind of just goes. It just kind of just continues. Well, it's a, you get, it, it's just about that script, right? Seeing yeah. Kyle MacLachlan start off, or Jeffrey Beaumont, sorry, uh, start off as kind of, you see him at the beginning of the movie, just kind of skulking around, he just he hunched over, walking around, seemingly has nothing to do, no purpose, and then at the end of the movie, he's he's killed a guy, right? Yeah. So, there's good character progression throughout the movie, where he finds purpose, he's like, he just really likes mysteries, he, um, he gets the girl, and he finds that there's also that dark side of him, too, because then he gets with Dorothy, and then he's like, I'm not going to hit you, I'm not going to hit you. And she's like, please, and then he just smacks her, chips her tooth, and then he finds that he has that darkness inside of him, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of conflict, there's good character work here. The movie the movie looks great. There's also like a bunch of little Lynch staples that I like to see, like the red curtains at the club, then... After he kills Frank Booth, the lights just burn out in the room. They do that in, like, Eraserhead, too. Yeah. To, um, some Twin Peaks, too. Like, he's just... Lynch just loves electricity. And he just always adds that static noise. Yeah. The uh, lights going out. 
Um, he grew up in a logging town, so that's why he just has logging stuff in a lot of his his works. I don't know. I I like seeing all those little staples. There's like shots of um, the drapes uh, swishing in the apartment, and just the sound of wind. Just lot great little sound effects to add to the mood. And then characters will just say things like, Frank says, now it's dark, at least three times in the movie. Uh-huh. And you can sit around and analyze what that means for hours, but it just kind of sounds cool. If uh-huh. you, you can just boil it down to that if you like to. And that's what I like about Lynch's work, where, you know, the art hose can like it, and uh, the regular folk can too. If they're open to that, of course. It's fun for the whole family, yes. because everybody can take away. Yes, I agree, and... the, the the un- the thematic undercurrent of just light, good and evil and stuff, which is, I guess, classic noir, mm-hmm. is well done in this visually and via script and thematically and all that. I really like the score in this, too. Mm-hmm. I like the music quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Not just, like, the tunes, like uh, Blue Velvet, and then they have... Love Letters and In Dreams. Yeah, they have that Roy Orbison song. Yeah. That stuff is good, and then it's a nice compliment to the Battle of Menti score. Yeah which I actually think is quite good mm-hmm. um, and is a nice, again, precursor to the Twin Peaks. <laughs> like this, like, I don't know, like like 40s, 50s, jazzy lounge kind of thing. Yeah, and that's what this movie is too, like a throwback to 50s cinema. Mm-hmm. He just likes that shit too because that's what he would have been watching as a kid probably yeah. on TV, so... He, he loves that aesthetic, you know, the jazz singer loves it. Yes. Yeah, you see that in, uh, well, you don't really see that in Twin Peaks. You see that in Mulholland Drive. Yep. Uh, I want to say there's one other thing you see it in, but maybe not. Oh, and Wild at Heart, well, they have like... Elvis? Yeah, they have like that Elvis <laughs> scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was classic. I should have, I kind of want to rewatch. Wild at Heart will be after Twin Peaks. Okay. For the watch, okay? We will revisit that. For sure. To see how far he's come. Um, but yeah, this is this is pretty damn solid. Um, I, I think Dorothy uh, Isabella Rosalini does a great job yeah. in this as well. Um, she really plays a tortured and uh, character with a lot of dimension. You never really can peg her throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of always almost waiting for that backstab mm-hmm. or that turn or that something. But uh, she ends up just being a desperate woman, which is you know, arguably just more humanizing than just have her be some femme fatale that goes, aha, and I was in on it all along, and I'm going to kill you now. I really like that we got a Jack Nance cameo. Jack Nance was throated. I didn't know, I didn't see him in the credits or anything, so I was looking at the henchmen, and I was like, oh, it's Jack Nance. He's got to be there. He's got to. Definitely Jack Nance and Lynch have explored each other's bodies. That's guaranteed. Yeah, he gets a couple of lines in this. I just like one of his drunken buddies. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. He just goes in Jeffrey's face and he's like, hey, my name's Paul. <laughs> What's your name? And then everyone's laughing like it's some big joke that the audience isn't in on. Yeah. And then he just does it like a couple more times. He just, hey, I'm Paul. <laughs> I like this scene when they go visit uh, Booth's, like, employer, Swap. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And he just does... Yeah, that and that's another classic Lynch thing. He just does an impromptu uh, classic sing-along, I think, to yep. the Roy Orbison song. Yep. 
and then they're just like halfway through they're like okay we're out and then they go as and he's wearing like um he's wearing like makeup that's like it's like if he's in the opera or something they kind of present him as like um as like this weird uh, like I swear to God, we've seen that too. Lynch has these hallmarks mm-hmm. a lot, but like this, just kind of like he's just really strange and like a really, uh, just the way he acts. Yeah, because he's just so suave. He's so suave. Nobody acts calm. like that. Yeah, uh, and just demeanor. He has like these old ladies just hanging out <laughs> in his place. And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, there's, there's cool stuff like that, that that really augments the film for me. Where he's just so suave, and he has great manners, but then he just punches Jeffrey in the stomach. stomach. He's just drinking beers. Yeah. Dealing drugs. It's, it's an odd combination. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's what Lynchian is, I think. Well, to me, anyways, is just taking the ordinary and the bizarre and mixing them together, where it's always like, this is a weird sort of feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do that with Suave, which is awesome. And then Jeffrey, or, um, Frank Booth takes Jeffrey and Dorothy and his pals to this, like, um, industrial complex. I don't know, like, factories are all around them. You hear, like, the clanging of machinery. And then they put on some song while Frank beats the shit out of Jeffrey. And then this lady's just dancing on the, <laughs> the roof of the car. Yeah. It's just weird stuff. And, you know, I think... I don't know. I got the sense that Frank maybe somewhat liked Jeffrey as as well. Because he says, I'll fuck anything that moves. Maybe he was bisexual. Because it's weird. Because Jeffrey punches him right in the face. And we see that Frank will just kill people, right? Why doesn't he just kill why Jeffrey? Didn't, why didn't he just kill him? Yeah, yeah. and then he, they beat him up and then they let him go. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, why didn't they just kill him? I don't know. I think he liked him. Well, then he kisses him and stuff. Oh, and he, I, he maybe, gives him a, quite a few kisses, actually. Maybe that was a that could be interpreted as a power play, but I think there actually might have been something there in his weird, fucked up... Sec- well, not that being bisexual is fucked up, but his weird sort of dichotomy he has. There was like that and, and the BDSM stuff or whatever, but the movie was actually less erotic than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be, given the title and the poster, yeah. and what I heard about it, I thought it was going to be like a very erotic thriller. But that's just like a small portion of the film mm-hmm. um like that's just one of the many things going on in it yeah uh pretty sexy though <laughs> you know i mean kyle mclaughlin not gonna lie he's in great shape here okay yeah um wow <laughs> all right you know and if you ever wanna you see those videos on youtube watch mojo videos like top 10 most pause moments in movie history add blue velvet uh, to the list because you can see Kyle McLaughlin packing which is very nice if you get a VHS copy of this that's going to be the part that's all worn out <laughs> and staticky like oh my god oh my god <laughs> uh, I mean you know it is kind of weird when this guy breaks into her apartment and she's like I'm going to kill you and then she starts sucking his dick yeah again I guess that is a little well, it's just like she she has no power, right? So in this moment, she has power, and she's just kind of doing what others do to her. 
Yeah. Doing on two others, you know? And she's making him a man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also appreciate any movie that can have very limited sets. This movie mainly takes place in this apartment and the stairwell to this apartment. (laughs) But then you get some shots, like, outside of a school, um, in this little rinky-dink mom-and-pop shop, police station. But this is a movie that... I don't want to say, like, anybody can make, but you know what I mean. Like, it's just, again, good script. They don't have to to make up for it with amazing sets or anything like that. There isn't even anything like, um, like, like anything extravagant, really. Yeah, you're right. I I don't know what the budget was for this. I imagine they had to pay Dennis Hopper and such, so there's at least a couple million involved. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a pretty simple film. There isn't, like, a lot of elaborate special effects or or set work. Like, the most notable special effect for me was during that sex scene between Jeffrey and Dorothy when like it kind of does like that slow motion blur and it was like it was like one other thing it was like the same effect that was in Elephant Man in the beginning Mm -hmm. when the elephants are like stampeding or whatever yeah and it just shows them and it's like it's a more tasteful version of slow-mo or like when they do that thing in movies where it's like slow-mo but they don't do it smooth where they draw frames and things blur and then the, and then when they're like kind of moaning and groaning like they, he distorts the audio yeah. so it sounds kind of monstrous that was cool yeah yeah well, one editing thing that i really like is jeffrey has this nightmare scene because you gotta have it you gotta have the dream sequence mm-hmm. and he it's just he sees shots of fire and his dad and his dad's face is like stretched across the screen and he's saying something i couldn't understand but then it shows frank and he's screaming but then he they just replace his audio with like distorted bass yeah do you remember that yeah i i love that that was that was really cool i think that was after he escapes from hiding in the closet after and then he his Frank guy really rattled him to the, to the core here. Uh, there was another Twin Peaks character in this movie. Um, what do they call her, her in uh, season two? Remember the old lady Donna sees doing Meals on Wheels and then it's her and her grandson? Yeah, she that, was, that one creepy scene. Yeah, yeah. she's in this. this? Yeah. What, um, Jeffrey's like, I don't know if that was his grandma or something but he there's the mom and this other woman at the hospital at, at their house oh yes yes you're right um mrs what do they call her Shelfont or um anyways he gets home from getting beat up and he's like i don't want to talk about he, it he says something like he threatens her he's like i don't this is like drop it now okay before i snap <laughs> he says something like that but yeah, she was in this too. Um, oh, that great shot of him walking down the stairwell. Was mm. that lady and her grandson an agent of Bob? What's going on there? Mm, I can't tell you, but... What the fuck do you mean? There she is. That's her? Yeah. Shit. Uh, she doesn't want any creamed corn. And her, her grandson's a magician. <laughs> I, did, I almost forgot about that scene. Because it happens and then it's like... oh. Yeah, I forgot about that scene. Oh, so it's too. gonna come back later. Well, um, maybe. Oh, I see. Only maybe though. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot that scene happened too. Same with when they find 
that or uh, when what was that incel's name that killed himself arthur i think it's arthur the, yeah the, uh gorophobe yeah, yeah, yeah i'm gonna say it's arthur arthur leaves that piece of laura's diary for donna to find, yeah. and then donna gives it to dale and he reads it and then uh laura had the same dream that he had uh i forgot that scene happened too where she says like oh last night i had a dream where i was in this red room and there's this old man and i went up and whispered something to his in his yeah. ear that was weird yeah that was kind of <laughs> weird uh well you know hopefully there's a nice happy ending for this show and uh you know it'll wrap up in a kind of coherent easy to digest manner that will satisfy everybody from all kinds of uh many weird faces right now <laughs> yeah it will it will for sure do that it will yeah, they'll right. answer every question it won't leave you with more questions respect respect i i would expect nothing less uh also i guess we didn't talk uh talk about it but I just wanted to get your opinion on this before we wrap up. Did you think that Sandy's dad was in on it? Um, at the beginning, I did because his behavior seemed a little uncanny mm-hmm. when he when Jeffrey first brings him in the ear, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Hmm, let's take a look at this ear." He's like, "Yeah, it's an ear, all right." Yeah, he's like, "Let's go look at that." And the way he was acting, I was like, "Okay, this is like either he's just a Lynch character or he's insane mm-hmm. or he's in on it." Uh, but then he isn't, like, or like he isn't demonstrably like his buddy. Like he busts his partner. Yeah, and then the movie ends. So I guess not. I was waiting for the betrayal moment. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for some indication or uh, for him to like come after Jeffrey, but then he just doesn't. So I was like, I don't know. I I got the idea that maybe he was in on it, especially when Jeffrey's like, yeah, the yellow man's in on it i have all these pictures the yellow man being um sandy's dad's detective williams uh partner and then jeffrey goes over to sandy's place because they're going on a date to this um party which is so funny because i can't expect anyone's dad just being cool with jeffrey being with their daughter after knowing the shit he's getting into Um, he's a good kid you know he did the right thing he could have kept that ear he could have ate it (laughs) he brought it to the police station but he's there at sandy's place and then the yellow man comes in and then um detective williams is like watch it watch it well he's like saying i thought that was like don't blow it oh like don't tell him that you know like we know but like don't tell him because i just thought it was sussy because like he um he seemingly isn't i don't know and that scene it just seems like he he didn't care all that much i don't know how much you can really do i mean in re- real life just because someone brings you pictures i don't think you can just you know throw them in jail right away but yeah it was weird and jeffrey's reaction where he's like uh what the hell are your friends with this guy what are you doing and then they go they leave together right and then the yellow man is lobotomized in frank's apartment so what happened um i don't you know it's they don't explain that at first i was like the guy with tied him up did that but then that doesn't really make sense but uh, they were together right yeah detective williams and the yellow man were together so how did they get separated uh well i assume the yellow man was like oh i have things to do which was well, criminal maybe. activity or whatever mm-hmm. uh, it's like maybe he was in on it but then it just resolves like he isn't or like 
that he just fully betrays the yellow man. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Something to chew on for subsequent rewatches. Yeah, I I like this more on the the rewatch. Not that I didn't dislike it originally, but yeah, I liked it. Bags time? Me first? No, No, I don't think I will. You know, when I first saw it, I was like, damn, this is like, yeah, it's good. It's like a 7 out of 10. Now I'm feeling like an 8 to a 9. To an 8 to a 9? Yeah. And honestly, there isn't that there isn't all that much that I dislike other than Frank's character being a bit goofy at times. It, it's, a, it's a very solid movie. I like it a lot, but it doesn't have that, that X factor. It doesn't have that, that L factor. So it's going to be 9 out of 10 bags for me. 9 out of 10. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I think I will like this more on the rewatch when my expectations are tempered. Yeah. Um, but I also have to say that um, from a technical perspective, there isn't really much wrong with this film. Um, so I'm going to give it four out of five bags. Nice. Um, I don't think I have anything else that I need to talk about. What about you? Well, what are we doing next week? Oh, shit. Um, you, uh, I remember it sounded like you had an idea for something, and then I said Blue Velvet. I was probably bluffing. Let's spin the wheel. Spin the wheel? All right. Wheel time! Cue the music. I'm in a good mood today, so you know what? Maybe I'll be rewarded. It's time to spin the wheel. 177. All right, let's take a look. Yes, here we go. What is it going to be? Could be anything. Could be... Hey. Be Could be a movie. Bad. Come on. You know, Natural Born Killer is kind of money. a dud. Kind of a dud film. What? No, it's, it's, oh, oh, we well. already did that. It was Ed Wood, and the next one's actually Blue Velvet. But we did both of those films. So we will have to re-roll. Let's re-roll Let's the re-roll wheel. It. Oof. Oof. We're getting to 310. That's not good, folks. This is in... <laughs> we're in dire territory. All right, wise, come on, let's go, let's do it. Predator's not even a cult movie. It's, it's yeah. a joke. Yeah. It's a farce. Okay. Oh, God, I'm scared. This week or next week, we are doing for a few dollars more. Um, sure, but then that means we. Ha- Would you like to commit to doing the whole dollars trilogy? Keep in mind that'll be fo- about four and a half hours more of Clint Eastwood doing the same thing that we did in the last movie and Unforgiven. So that's that's your choice. I'll let you Is this two or three? That's two. Fuck it. Okay. We'll do it. Okay, fine. Yeah. Maybe this one will be great. It's decent. You know what? I'll say you'll probably like it more better. Yeah? Yeah. Than A Fistful of Dollars. Oh. Yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah. That's it. That's it. Is this a cult movie? No. They're not cult <laughs> movies. Like, like maybe the first one, arguably, because that was, like, the first Clint Eastwood Western yeah. film, and it was a spaghetti. But then after that, the movies were just straight-up popular. So, you know. That's kind of like the, uh, M- <laughs> what? Marijuana. Uh, a young girl slowly becomes a dope pusher, and that's not Reefer Madness? Okay. 
Yeah, we'd both look. Okay, we could. It could have been way worse. Look at this. Look at look at. I would have loved the Queen of Outer Space. American astronauts are drawn by a mysterious force to the planet Venus, which they find to be inhabited only by beautiful women and their despotic queen. I would love this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love all those words. We should do fast time. Sure, why not? It's yeah. kind of like a dazed and confused. War games pass. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of mid. Revenge of the Nerds also uh, pass. Yeah. yeah. Jaws, classic cult movie. I'd, I don't think by any criteria whatsoever <laughs> that's a cult film. Legend. It's like movies you would never hear of unless you were on this list, and then the next one is Jaws, and then The Godfather. I would love to do Beyond the Valve of the Doll so I can shit on Roger Ebert. <laughs> we do that every episode anyway. This movie, I gotta put... I'm gonna... The the little soundbite for this episode should be Roger Ebert talking about Blue Velvet. Where he says, shame on you, shame on Lynch. And this movie is just so disgusting. Like, what happened to good, wholesome, moral films? Superfly. What happened? We lost, Lucas. Because now we get crap. On TV. Stuff like Euphoria is popular on TV. Have you watched any of that? No. I just see clips of it where it's just teenagers fucking and doing drugs and then fucking each other. And then doing drugs while they're fucking. That's me. And you see a lot of nudity and and there's a lot of emotional uh, turmoil. That's you. Oh. That's just any HBO show. Oh, my show is so deep. It has deep, dark themes. Shut up. You ever seen Venom? (laughs) Have you ever... And Eminem literally goes, me. I got a bit Oh, I want to see Chud. We have to do Chud at one point. <sighs> Let me see the rest of this list. I might have to veto the rest of it. Uh, we're not doing a Kevin Smith film. Uh, we will be doing every Kevin Smith. We're not film. doing Edward Scissorhands. Uh, we're not doing Gremlins. Gummo. Fantastic Planet, so you can Hellraiser. Smoke weed. Yeah, you know, next week we'll do Hellraiser. Uh, week after next week, yeah, we're doing Hellraiser. <laughs> Let's go! Shout out to Pinhead and his family, and Crawl They Live. Yeah, we'll do Fritz the Cat sometime. That'll that, be a weird one. That was on the original list of move of movies that we were gonna do. What happened? To, why? Why did we stop using? I that? don't know. Okay, so maybe this is the last time we use the wheel. Because we have a list. I mean, I'm sure most of it's been done by now, but there is a list somewhere. Yeah. Um, maybe... And um, please tell me if you like the sound of clicking in your ears. If you could send a, an email to cop at gmail.com. This is a little ASMR for you guys. Um, podcast host on the computer searching through files. Because we don't organize them. Uh, that's not that gonna matter to me whether or not you've got eggs. <laughs> the greatest soundbite of all time. Uh, from what? <laughs> what is this? David Lynch and Ebert. Line is crazy. Oh yeah. We'll find a good one. Okay. Uh oh wait actually. Okay, I'm not really sure what that means. <laughs> Classic. Yo. <laughs> fucking James. Yo, <laughs> Someone came into our uh, into my work recently asking for $14.08 because his wife and daughter were at the airport and they needed money for a cab and they had spent all their money on a 
plane ticket, $1,600 on a plane ticket. They apparently, I guess he had no money left, and he also had no money <laughs> to pay pay for them. So we needed $14.08, and we said, no, we're not going to do that. Because, like free money? Yeah, free money, um, because, you know, this isn't a charity service. This is a business, <laughs> and we can't give away uh, our capitalist overlords money buddy this isn't the ussr okay wake up and he said you know he said stuff like well if i was a crackhead on the street you'd give me the money no what isn't what is it isn't that what you are or and he said i've already asked 49 people for money and if one more people says no i'm gonna snap that's what he said wow uh That's heavy, man. That's heavy. <laughs> That's when you look at the manager and wait for something to happen that doesn't involve you. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm gonna use a washroom. I'm gonna take a quick. I'm gonna use my. I'm gonna take an extra long break today. Just use my extra fifteen minutes. And then um, he called the employees fuckhead idiots. Not bad. And then he left. Yeah. Then he jumped in a car and left. Uh, After, well, he paced up and down the store talking to himself or something, and he explained that he's a nice Mennonite, um, but he's just having a bad day, um, so. Oh, those are nice Mennonites, and (laughs) can you imagine the the mean ones? Jesus. It'd be almost as bad as Pim. Is there a Pim sequel? I forgot. No, there's not. There isn't. No, Pin one and two codes? Oh, you have to action replay the Blu-ray or something? to. <laughs> you can set two pin codes on the Documo. UMI. Okay, the FOMA card. Uh, we're not going to be doing that, actually. That, that's a bunch of hacker shit. Anyways, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for saying hi. And in case we don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and goodbye. That was a little head pop. If you enjoyed anything you heard today, Make sure to stay tuned for weekly episodes available for streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and umfm.com. And don't forget to follow our Instagram page at COP Podcast.